revelations have you been following what our verse what revelation 17 verse 5 let's see uh-huh one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me saying come i will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters next verse with whom kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with her fornication next verse so he carried me away in the wilderness i saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast which was full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns uh-huh the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls and having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication next verse uh-huh and she's babylon the great the mother of harlots next verse I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and when I saw her I marveled with great amazement next verse the angel said to me why do you marvel next verse we're doing a, a fast recap I'll skip and it says uh-huh next verse please verse 9 here is the mind which has wisdom the seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sits so you notice that this woman who's an abomination who represents the worldly systems is sitting on seven mountains and we discussed the mountain of family we discussed the mountain of religion we discussed the mountain of education we have briefly discussed the mountain of government of course i'll get back to that one one of these sundays and now today we're discussing the mountain of business you will see how this adds up to your salvation the mountain of business now the lord gave us a prophecy in isaiah chapter 2 verse 1 and the prophet verse 2 and the prophecy is that it shall come to pass in the last days or aka in frederick's days hallelujah it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it so it shall come to pass that there will come a time when it's the mountain of the lord's house that will run every area and one of them is the mountain of business so we'll call today someone the mountain of business in brackets the christian in the marketplace ask your neighbor are you doing anything in the marketplace isaiah 40. can you give me verse one give me 43. give me isaiah 43 and give me verse 18. do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old behold i will do a new thing now it shall spring forth shall you not know it i will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert now hold on Is somebody listening to me this morning your mind is stuck in the past 
your mind is stuck in the past. Go back to verse 18. It's interesting that God is not suggesting, He's not advising, He's literally telling you not to remember the former things. I heard Pastor Cholo say something amazing. He said, if you look at what happens in a country when they send, let's say, an ambassador to another country, there is what is called recalling them. That, that amazed me. And he was saying that if you're going to keep remembering the old things, you might just be recalling them. You might just be recalling them to manifest again. And he's saying, forget the former things. Listen to me, there are people here who... There was one time I was driving. I was going to Manda Hill, just to do one or two things. Um, and as I was driving in Manda Hill Road, I saw something interesting. There was... Uh, I've never been driving and you just see some strange people. I don't know if it was a weird couple. I just saw something very interesting. And so I said, look into the side. I almost hit the car in front. So I stopped. I was so curious. I wanted to look. But you see, you can't drive forward while looking backwards. You can't drive forward while looking backwards. You will crash your car. Hallelujah. Your destiny is too important. You can't afford to keep looking backwards. Now, first, I'm talking to you as an individual. Listen to me. This is a word from the Lord to you. You keep focusing on those mistakes you've made. You made them. Yes, it happened. But you're not going to progress even into perfection. Do you know what repentance is? The Bible says, uh, Jesus preached saying repent. Do you know what it means to repent? To repent is to completely turn around. You don't repent by looking unto your mistakes. No. You don't go in faith by looking unto yourself. You go in faith by looking unto Jesus. Who's the author and finisher of your faith? Hallelujah. What the Lord has forgotten, let no man remember. Hallelujah. There's somebody I know, for example, who the first time they wrote their grade 12, it didn't go well. They did it again the next year. As we speak, when they are seated in class at the, let's say they're at CBU, as we speak, when they're seated in class at CBU, no one cares who wrote twice, who wrote three times. It's not like when they are starting to mark your exam, they will start with negative 20 because you wrote twice. And the person is walloping those students. Walloping, not beating them, walloping. Stop denying yourself a chance. Stop denying yourself a better tomorrow by keeping on focusing on the past things. 
if the apostle paul used to sit every day regretted if imagine every day apostle paul would just be seated yeah there was that person we killed yeah there was that person do you think he would have made the progress that he made now does that mean he wasn't sorry for it he was sorry but at the end of the day what can you do there are some people in this place you've been apologizing and apologizing they're not forgiving you move on There are some who are listening to me as we speak. Your heart has been condemning you. The Bible says, if your heart condemns you, remember that God is greater than your heart. God is greater than your heart. That's 1 John 3.20. Forget the former things. Forget them. Forget. I said forget. You should come to your place. Maybe you can find before... You got saved, you are a thief. When I'm preaching and you hear the word thief, it shouldn't even click that it can even be you. You should be saying, oh Lord, I'm praying for that brother. Forget. Listen, I would be lying to you if I told you the gospel doesn't make you a new creation. forget I've shown you before Hebrews 11 verse 11 for those I've never shown Hebrews 11 verse 11 how many of you know that what we remember about Sarah is not what God remembers about Sarah how many of you know Sarah from the Bible do we really refer to how when we're talking about having a lot of faith not really because eh? don't you remember God came had dinner in a house and then God says, you're going to have a child. And then Sarah heard and laughed in her heart. Will I have a child at my old age? And if you read from the message, it says, with this old man of a husband. <laughs> now, we know that the Bible is written by the Holy Spirit, right? Now look at this. It says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. When she bore a child, when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. When did she judge him faithful who had promised? Can you imagine? The Bible doesn't say, by faith, Sarah eventually, after a few stumbles here and there, eventually she had faith and eventually she had a child. No, in God's memory, if you are to go to God right now and say, do you remember how Sarah was laughing at you? You say, what are you talking about? God remembers as a person of faith. Listen. It doesn't matter what you've done before. You can have a second chance. And a third one. For some, this is your fifth one. As long as this day is still today. I mean, what, what would you rather? We give people a fifth chance or we send them to hell? What would you rather? If there is no one to believe in you, I'm here. Hallelujah. I hope you're hearing me. Someone may be saying, but pastor, why did you correct me? Do you know that you can only correct people when you think they're actually better than what they're doing? How come you don't see me going to the bars and correcting people? What does that mean? If you see someone as this, and they're living as this. You correct them to realign them to how you really see them. That's why the most dangerous thing is when the correction stops. 
So forget the former things. Now it says, go back. Forget the former things. That's Isaiah 40, 18. Now give me verse 19. Here is why you should forget the former things. Forget all those companies that rejected your application letter. Forget it. I've said forget it. Otherwise it will affect your faith for the next company. Forget it. Here's why. It says, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness. In short, you've been walking in the wilderness. You've, you've walked there all your life. There's never been a road. But now the Lord is saying, forget that the wilderness doesn't provide roads. Forget that the desert doesn't provide rivers. Stop telling yourself it will be like the last time. Forget that your heart was broken. The next gentleman... You might find yourself giving, not giving the right person a chance. Forget it. I said forget it. Hallelujah. I'm telling you. Some of you will be shocked. The same place where, where you thought no, in this town, in this country, this country doesn't appreciate people of my profession. That's the same place God will give you a, so, a serious job. So forget, the Lord is doing something new. In line with that, I must say this. As a ministry, let us ensure that we do not develop a culture of gossip. I'll tell you why. When you gossip, do you know what you do? You are robbing, how can I put it? You are fighting God over what he's trying to do in that person's life. Selah. Can I explain that further? Okay. Here is Pundi. Let's say something happens. God wants to restore Pundi. God's agenda is to restore him. God has put biblical procedures for restoring him. Let's say I'm helping him. So I am partnering with God in ensuring Pundi is okay. If Anna comes and starts saying, have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard what Pundi did? Have you heard what Pundi did? What, what, what would be happening is that in doing so, she would be fighting what God is trying to do in his life. Can you imagine? God is trying to gather together, you are scattering. And then you are also blocking the Isaiah 43, 19 by causing not just the person, but everyone to remember the former things. Everyone deserves another chance. Hallelujah. <laughs> Never entertain it. Never entertain it. And the one who listens is just as bad. It can poison you because you know what can happen. God can do such a mighty thing in his life. And before you know it, he's your deacon. But you're struggling to respect. <laughs> so forget. So say after me, I'll give myself another chance. 
and I will give others another chance. Say after me, whatever bad I have heard about anyone, I have decided to forget it. Hallelujah. Haven't you seen in the scriptures, Paul says, he tells the people that when I came to you, I cared to know nothing among you except Christ crucified. That's what he cared. In short, whoever you're relating with, your first thought should be, oh my goodness, this person is so precious. Oh my God, this is somebody Jesus died for. Oh my God, they've told me such private information. How can I handle it in such a way that it will be of progress to their life? Oh my, maybe this needs their leader to know, or this needs their pastor to know. But the reason I'm doing it is because I feel they, they can do better. Their life can be better. Their life can be on course. But if I tell that one, that might reduce this. Come on, that's the way a family works. The whole essence of a family is that in a family have you noticed that a family in its purity is freedom for people to grow and in freedom for people to grow they will make mistakes imagine if every time people come home they are being told hey you know when fred was 11 he broke what did i used to do the most i used to break the fluorescent tube on the veranda i don't know how many times i broke that fluorescent my god now imagine if that's a story for the rest of my life. I don't know if you get my point. Like, he cannot go find life because he broke the fluorescent tube. Imagine that. So don't determine how far people will go by their present circumstance or anything that happened in their past. How far they will go is dependent on what God has said about their life. And no man can separate what God has said from the people. So please give yourself a break. Hallelujah. The mountain of business. Now, when we are talking about a marketplace, it's simply a place where it's a structure. I don't want to use place because a market is not always physical. But a marketplace is always a structure which allows buyers and sellers to interact. It's where buyers and sellers interact. Transactions happen. And the most common medium when it comes to transactions is money. This thing called money. Eh? And with this topic, I want to take my time. This thing called money. The reason we have a market is not because people are trying to help each other. Let's be honest. The reason we have a market is because people want to be wealthy. Not so. So the whole essence of marketing is you're trying to identify a problem in a person's life and solve that problem, not because you love them, but because you want to make a profit out of solving their problem. Isn't that the truth? You've identified there is a problem in this person's life. She likes heels, but she doesn't have access to the heels. So I'll solve that problem at 300 quarter, which gives me a 75 quarter profit. And if I can solve that problem for 200 ladies, then I'll have a profit of what 75 times 2? 150. Is it 1.5 or 150,000? 1.5, eh? So if I can solve that problem for 75 people, then I've increased my profit to this. That's the whole essence. Hungry lion may not necessarily care about your stomach. But they know you've got a need. So they'll try to meet it. 
at the price. And some years ago, the Lord started teaching me on a topic called business by discernment. Business by discernment. And I started having a series of dreams. And I'm telling you a few things that have worked a little for me. I had a dream. In that dream, someone came to me and started explaining to me the publishing process. When I went and researched, they were explaining how to publish. A day later, a friend of mine called me and they had an impression from the Lord saying, this thing I've been wanting to do alone, why don't we do it together? Two are better than one. If I must mention something, the biggest problem with uh, Zambian entrepreneurs is that they want to do everything alone. Entrepreneurship in a Zambian's head has been defined as doing business alone. Like they would rather make 1,000 alone than make 10,000 and divide it among three. I hope, I've, I hope I'm speaking something. Everyone wants to do it alone. They don't understand the power of partnership. That's why you find our friends from the Arab world easily become bigger than you because you can't compete with a family when you're alone. And so I received the call. And we began putting things in place. And then the Lord told me, very soon, everyone will want to write a book. How many of you have seen what has happened the past two years? When it comes to book writing how many of you know that a number of people especially in some of the nearer circles who've done book writing have done it with our company how many of you remember that zambians were not really writing books a few years ago so it was business by discernment and i remember in that period I was inspired to write this one. Now, just in case, let, let me just put it out there, just in case people think we don't make profits from our books, we do. Okay, just, just, just in case. Um, least people, are, you know, some people can be using you as an example. Be like Apostle Fred. He doesn't make any profits from his. Uh, <laughs> if I told you how much I've made from the about how many books have I sold now? Over 2,500, right? 2,500, right? I will not tell you how much we made. There's a reason I'm speaking like this. I rarely talk like this, not so. But what I can tell you is that, do you see that mixer over there? This bought it. I'm telling you. There are some things I can point at. There are some things I can point at. Let's see. Am I the one who... The drum sets, both of them, eh? both of them were me. I think both or one of the drum sets were me because we've got two. I can point at several other things which the Lord gave an idea and we made money and we were able to do certain things. Imagine if 200 people got ideas tonight. Ha! I thought there would be an amen for that one. Ha! Yes, you're quiet! I've said, imagine if 200 people got ideas tonight. 
the reason I've shared this is because some things I'll be sharing, you need to know that they work. You need to know that they work. I am not talking about me benefiting alone. Those who work with me with the books, don't you enjoy? Isn't there like a one or two things that comes in? Why, why, why do you think they are so dedicated? You think... Zimangena, <laughs> hallelujah! Why do you think they are praying for me to have bigger projects? Anyways, let's go on. Now, who use money, the word money a lot because I think money is one of the biggest standards of measuring wealth, right? Even if a person has houses, they usually quantify in terms of how much they're worth. You understand soon why this links to the gospel, why this links to the Great Commission. You understand. Now, let me address a few things. Of late, there's been a lot of comments made about prosperity and all those things. I'll, I'll, I'll touch on some of those areas. A lot of comments have been made. I think there are certain, there are certain preachers who are labeled as... People label them what? Prosperity preachers. Not so. So someone may be asking, Apostle Fred, are you a prosperity preacher? If you want to call me that, feel free. I'm preaching the gospel. And you find people will be like, eh, the problem with the church today. You want to talk about so many, us, we miss the church of 1980. Uh, uh, 1901, That church, when you go to church after they preach, everyone will come and cry at the altar when they remember their sins. Sins Jesus dealt with. Hallelujah. And if that church was so good, why is it not there anymore? What are you talking about? And the trouble is, we've got a lot of empty cans that make a lot of noise, especially on social media. You want to get your advice from worldly people, and then you want to, give, you want to talk in such a way that worldly people will love you. I would rather be appreciated by light than by darkness. Hallelujah. I'll tell you this. The fact is, the church has done more with money than it hasn't without it. Do you know how much one Benny Hinn Crusades costs? One million US dollars. One billion US dollars. Let's go. Now, let's look at something that the Bible says about money. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 19. You'll see as we go on. I'll, I'll take my time. By the time I'm done with you, you'll be money-making machines. Maybe, listen, maybe there are some people here who just want to be very spiritual. They don't like money. Give it to me. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. Is there anyone else here who is also saying, even me, give it to me. I don't know what to do with it. Eh? Yes. I don't know what to do with it. Don't worry. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 19. I want us to see this. One, two, three, at the same time read. Yes. 
Okay. <laughs> okay, read it again. One more time. Okay, in short, I'll put it like this. If I was to go around here and say, what's your prayer request? <laughs> I'll tell you this, hold on. As in the prayer request would reduce if everyone could just have money. You st- that's when you start hearing spiritual prayer requests, you know? You know, like, there are times when I meet a person, I'm like, is there any prayer request you have? You know, first they'll try to be spiritual. I just want to grow in the Lord. I just, I, I just want to go far. Then when you ask him, okay, now just tell me what you really want. Ah! Pastor Dalama Zavuta. Dalama. When that is settled, at least that's when now people would pray. They will now be praying. They will now be praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. <laughs> almost, this is my, I've, I've not done a proper research, but I can tell you that almost all like maybe 70 to 80 percent of of requests i receive they can come in a disguised way but many of them would be sorted out if there was some money hallelujah some people's marriages would be better if there was more money in the house i'm telling you some people would have less pressure when studying if they just had the money to pay for school would be in our own building right now with more money. That's a fact. Sometimes, honestly, when we're saying we're waiting on the Lord's time, we're just waiting for more money. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. We'll just buy off certain land. They say, okay, we've bought this off, we've bought this off, we've bought this off. Church projects that take 20 years would take one year if there was money. So that shows you that there is a certain dominion that only comes with when you've got money. There's a certain realm of dominion you can't hit without money. What does God think about money? What does God have to say about money? Let's go. Haggai chapter 2 verse 8 What does God think about money? At the same time, 1, 2, 3, read. Read it one more time. One more time for emphasis. Who does it belong to? And who is God to you? So who does it belong to? Does that sound too good to be true? Now let's be honest. Who does it belong to? It belongs to God. Have you noticed that when the Israelites left Egypt, he never allowed them to live without money? 
The Bible says they plundered. They literally plundered. Were they stealing? No, they were getting back what's theirs. Who does it belong to? Belongs to God. Let's see a few other thoughts. What does God think about money? What he doesn't like is when the created is worshipped instead of the creator. God has never liked that. That's why he didn't like it if you start worshipping a lion. He didn't like it if you start worshipping a chicken. He didn't like it if you, stop, if you start worshipping a monkey. Similarly, he doesn't like it if you start worshipping a person. He also doesn't like it if you start worshipping money. It's a good servant, but a bad master. Imagine if police dogs were the ones put in charge of the police force. What would happen? So there are some things which are good servants. Imagine if cars were choosing what to do with themselves. Imagine if horses were the ones choosing how to be rode and where to go. Why do you think people tame these beasts and tame these animals? Because they are bad masters, but good servants. So money is a bad master, but it's a good servant. We see that for when we read 1 Timothy 6 verse 10. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10. The Bible says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. So you can imagine, it's a very good servant. But the moment a person begins to worship mammon, the moment a person begins to worship money, it can bring about all sorts of evil. Somebody can go to another person's house, remove a TV from another person's house, simply because they love money. It's a root of evil. Now, however, how many of you here believe you are blessed? How many of you believe God blesses? How many of you believe God has blessed you? Raise your hands. God has included money as part of the blessing. Do you know that? Let's go. Proverbs 22 verse 8. You read it for me. What does it say? <laughs> Proverbs 10 verse 22. One, two, three, go. Ha. I wish you learned how to celebrate God's word. I'll allow you, I'll allow you to read it again. One, two, three, go. How many of you believe you are blessed? Now, there are people who believe no. You know, a religious brain. No, you see, when he's talking about making one rich, you see, riches are in different ways. It makes one rich. And if we wanted to know the ways of being rich, let's look at the Bible riches. How was Abraham rich? How was Isaac rich? Was it small riches or was it big ones? Hallelujah. Amen. I remember there was a time I, I, used, I was delivered from that. 
I was delivered from it. And this week, I was this week I was with my pastor, and I was even further delivered from it. This is one topic I used to struggle to talk about. I used to think, ah, if you're talking about this topic, people, will say, ah, you know what? Let them think whatever they want to think. Fab, woe unto me if I don't teach you the truth, and if I don't teach you every part of the Bible. The same way of, haven't I taught you to repent from sin? And then haven't I taught you a new creation? So why shouldn't I teach you this aspect of it as well? Hallelujah. I'll tell you this, we'll do more if there were more wealthy people. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just wait for it. So the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. There is there is, there, there is a riches that comes with sorrow. You, your riches will not come with sorrow. Yes. Hallelujah. Okay, say, I am, rich. I am rich. Are you afraid to talk like that? The Bible says, the Bible talks about this word called salvation. Now, in the Greek, the word salvation is a word called soteria. Do you know that the word salvation does not mean forgiveness of sins? That's part of it. Do you know that the salvation package includes deliverance? It includes healing. It includes glorification. It includes sanctification. It includes justification. And it also includes prosperity. Hallelujah. So welcome to the message of salvation. This is saving you from, from brokenness. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. Now let's look. I told you I'm going to take my time. You'll see where it comes in. The believer at the marketplace. So part of the package of being blessed is wealth. Now not everyone who's rich is blessed. But everyone who's blessed is rich. Some just haven't stayed manifesting it yet. But I'm, listen, my role is to speak life into you. So I'm telling you, you're wealthy. You're not small. You are big. Even the smallest among us is a big nation. Even the smallest among us is a big company. Even the smallest among us is a big bank account. I said you are wealthy. I said you are wealthy. You are wealthy. Hallelujah. Now, whatever needs to align for that wealth to manifest, I command it to align in Jesus' name. Okay. Now, most people, when they are speaking against such a message, the first thing they will say is, no, we have to be Christ-like. And Jesus was a very humble man. Don't you know Jesus was poor? And they talk like that. Let's read a few things about Jesus in the era of money. Are you ready? So many believers have shunned the marketplace because they have been told that they have to be Christ-like and that Jesus was a poor man. The following are a few facts about Jesus. Number one, he was born in a manger. Now, a manger is not a place you'd expect someone to be born in. Eh? That, that's quite... That's rough. Imagine being born in a manger where there are animals smelling and all that stuff. Well, in that manger, there are wise men who came. What did they bring? Gifts. 
What did the wise men bring? From the manger. Did they stay in Israel? No. They went to Egypt. Do you know how expensive it is to survive one week in a foreign country? How many of you have traveled to foreign countries before? Just two days, Pundi, two days. Don't look at him like this. Hallelujah. Don't you just love him? I say, don't you just love him? Okay. So I was saying, do you know that just one day in a foreign country is more expensive than being in your own? Are you aware that Jesus and his parents were in a foreign country for a while? Don't you think it came from the gifts that were brought? Because you know they brought gifts to give to a king. Gold frankincense mirror. You're going to see it probably in the, in, I don't know, having Christmas uh, next. Yeah. So we are preparing ourselves to be, those who it's your first time going to be attending Christmas service with COL, we are extra. So we go a little extra. Even the pastor, like we are extra. I just haven't chosen the Oh, holy night The stars are brightly shining It's a calaco, hallelujah So go and learn those songs, eh? Don't sing the wrong lyrics It's Feliz Navidad Not Police Nagita Become very good Police Nagita what would the police and the guitar have to do with each other? <laughs> okay, you can hold on. Okay, so Jesus was born in a manger, not the best place to be born. But let's also remember that they survived the foreign country. Another fact about him Jesus had a ministry that was flourishing. And I'm talking about flourishing financially. Do you know how I know? He could afford to have 12 full-time employees. Let me show you a scripture. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Look at what he says. Luke 22 verse 35. And he said to them, when I sent you without money back, knapsack and sandals, did you lack anything? And so they said nothing. So when the disciples were with Jesus, did they lack anything? Did they lack food? Did they lack water? Jesus had a treasure. Can you imagine? No, I want you to think about this. The disciples come to Jesus and say, look, those 5,000 people haven't eaten for three days. And he says, okay, buy them food. Wait, have you, uh, wait, have you thought about that? Oh, wait, hold on. Have you thought about that? Did he say start collecting money? No, he actually said, okay, buy them food. How much do you think they had? Like as a ministry. He actually says, buy them food. Do you know that Jesus had people in his flock who were in the marketplace? 
first from the disciples some were called out of the marketplace right Peter was a fisherman Matthew was a tax collector what was Thomas <laughs> that's not the way God remembers him God knows him as Apostle Thomas in we doubt in Thomas <laughs> he's known as Apostle Thomas Even made the name sound. Hey, don't be a doubt in time. Now, Jesus had a team of people supporting his ministry who were in the marketplace. Let's show you. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Luke 8, verse 1. It came to pass afterwards that he went through every city. Hold on. Please be paying attention to the words. You know, there are times we just look at the Bible like this. We don't look at the details. So he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him. Stay there. Okay. I want us to imagine this. Imagine Apostle Frederick is going to every city in Zambia. Think of every city. Which cities can you think of? Shout them out loud. Come on, as you shout, you're prophesying. Shout them. So imagine. Now, just Apostle Frederick. Imagine Apostle Frederick is going to every city and every village. Shout the names of uh, villages. Samsia is a village. Okay. I may not know the names of most villages. Wait, there's... Wait, there's Mulungushi village somewhere this side, right? Does that count? <laughs> Does that count? And there's a restaurant I usually buy from called Kumushi. Does it count? So anyways, imagine, just, just me as a personal friend. Imagine I'm to say, okay, next year, I'm visiting every city. It doesn't say some cities. It doesn't say neighborhoods. Imagine next year, I'm to visit every city. That's not going to happen though. I've got work here right now. So. Now imagine I'm to visit every city. Then you also add on every village. I've got a question. Now it doesn't say they were invited. They invited themselves. You know, you, you, you must reach a level where there are places you can invite yourself. How many of you know that the last meeting we had in South Africa, we invited ourselves? How many of you know that? Maybe some of you didn't know. We invited ourselves. We paid for the whole ourselves. We invited ourselves. We paid for flight and transport ourselves. Went and healed the people and left. Now, imagine we went to every city, every town, every village. Just me alone. How much do you think that would cost? Now it says the 12 were with him. He carried 12 people with him to every town, every city, every village. How do you think they managed that if the ministry didn't have something? Then the next verse shows you how. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. 
seven demons that, that shows you it doesn't matter how bad you were ended up being the first one Jesus saw that shows you that from Jesus ministry team there are people who others would point at yes that's what I want you chose so many there were certain women who are with Jesus Mary called Magdalene out of woman come seven demons uh-huh. next verse Joanna the wife of Chusa Herod Stuart and Susanna and many others there are people who wonder how come when ministry, ministry starts there are a lot of women Jesus moved with 12 men and many women you will see the reason men pick up, pull up your socks here is the reason. The disciples are with you. Hey, protocol. Hey, hey, hey. hey don't, don't touch Jesus. Hey. Now look at what the women were doing. Who provided for him? If I read it wrongly, if I read it wrongly, please tell me. Who provided for him from miracle money? Hallelujah. I, I, I'm wondering, I, I, are you getting this? No, you seem a bit too low. Are you seeing the kind of stuff we're trying to train you to be? Can you imagine Jesus was provided for? So he was just thinking of which city do I go to? Hey, Mary, I want to go to that city. It's sorted. The horse is ready. We've booked the horse ticket. Hallelujah. And it says, who provided for him from their substance? That shows you that they were in the marketplace. If everyone was in the temple and no one was in the marketplace, Jesus wouldn't have managed to preach to all those places he preached to. Ah, can we? So if in the ministry everyone decides, hey, I sense the Lord saying I should be full-time, but church is Africa. What would we do with all of you? You want to sit in my office doing what? you need to be in the marketplace though there are many others who provided for him from their substance oh I, I, I think this helps somebody who believes that Jesus survived his life by miracle money we see one account of that in the Bible probably there were several others but the Bible emphasizes to us that he had people under him who were working people under him who were doing things and ensuring that the gospel was being preached some of them were in high positions. Imagine the wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart. Can you imagine how much money that person was in? Jesus may have died in a manger. But are you aware that Jesus was not buried as a poor man? He was not buried like a poor man. How many of you are aware of that? No, let me show you. Isaiah 53 verse 9. Isaiah 53 verse 9. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Now let me show you that his graveyard was expensive. I want you to give me Matthew 27 verse 57. The reason Jesus was buried well is because he had some rich disciples. Ask your neighbor, which Bible do you read? 
And what does it say? <laughs> one, now this was when Jesus was crucified. One, two, three, read. Wait there. There came a what? Hallelujah. Now let's look at what happened next. Uh-huh. Read. Why do you think he was given the body? Why wasn't it given to Peter? He was rich. Don't you know that there is a certain influence that people access due to wealth? How come he could go before Pilate? He was rich. Do you know that even in a bank, if you are dealing with money at a certain level, you don't see a normal cashier. They give you personal bankers because you are wealthy. It's your word, eh? I believe so. So he went to Pilate and Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. Next verse. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth uh-huh. and laid it in his new tomb. If you read from the book of John, another person who came to help was Nicodemus. Nicodemus, do you remember Nicodemus, that guy? He was a Pharisee, but secretly, when Jesus would be speaking, so Nicodemus helped and laid it in his new tomb which he had hewn out of a rock. Now, in those days, the expensive graveyards are the ones where you carve it out of a rock. Poor people were just buried anywhere. But for it to have been a rock, it was an expensive graveyard. So the man who was born in a manger was buried in an expensive graveyard. Why? Because he had, he had enriched him. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. What am I trying to say? It was one of his rich disciples that ensured that Jesus was taken care of. Nevertheless, whether it's by comparison, the Bible does state that it is indeed true. It is true. It is true that Jesus became poor. And so there are people who say, no, as Christians, you must be humble. Uh, your Messiah rode on a donkey. You want to drive a Range Rover. If we don't drive it, who will? Now, they'll be talking, saying, Jesus was poor. I wonder why they use that as an excuse. You know why? That's the whole point. Second Corinthians 8 verse 9. If this scripture didn't excite you, then there's a problem. And what you're dealing with, needs an overnight tell your neighbor you have no choice but to be excited so now did Jesus become poor yes but let's read the point of him becoming poor one two three go
So you know, someone might come to you and say, Ah, Pastor, hey, what's wrong with you nowadays? Uh, bear with me prophesying in my life. The one he preaches about rode a donkey. Now you've seen the serious cars your pastor is driving. What's the, that was the whole point. Listen, there was no point of Jesus becoming poor if we were not going to become rich. I'm talking serious wealth. Now, there are some people who try to make this scripture spiritual. No, when he's talking about riches, you know you have to be spiritually rich. Does that mean Jesus became spiritually poor? The believer in the marketplace. They won't know what hit them. <laughs> I said they won't know what hit them. They won't know what hit them. Suddenly, the ones controlling the wealth. You know, the ones who control the wealth are the ones who control the decision making. It's always, always been about who is controlling the wealth. Suddenly, you are the one they are waiting for before the family meeting starts. You are the one who says, in this family, we don't do this. No, our tradition, you know I'm contributing five pin. Ah, actually, we don't do this. Why do Hallelujah. No, I'm telling you, we are at the... I've, I've told this before. The, the vision God has given me, it's big. It's the kind that is not just answered by prayer and fasting. It's the kind that's answered by money. It's big. So I asked God for millionaires and he gave me you. I said the Christian in the marketplace. They won't know what has hit them. They won't know what has hit them. We'll continue next week. <laughs>